Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And this is The Ready State. You got it! You better stop it! On today's episode of The Ready State, we are delighted to speak to Dr. Nick Gill, who has served for the last 11 years as the head strength and conditioning coach for the New Zealand All Blacks during a period of extreme success where they won more than 120 rugby test wins in the World Cup title in 2011 and 2015. I really appreciate that you use the word test wins, like not games. It's very New Zealand of you. Look, here's the deal. As a strength and conditioning coach, performance coach, Nick is literally working in the most high-stakes, high-performance group and probably the most famous team in the world. And what's so cool is that he can be your own avatar. He is my avatar. When I think about the kind of dad I want to be, the athlete I want to be, the coach I want to be, Nick Gill pops up as all three. He also just wrote a super awesome and practical book called Health Yourself, which is for regular people just trying to make simple tweaks to their health, nutrition, fitness regimes. Yeah. And what's amazing about his take on the fitness health landscape is that even though he's got one foot rooted in university as a professor, he's working on this high performance, he's written a guidebook around health for families. And what I really think is impressive here is if you flip this up, you're going to run into all of the concepts. We talk about sleep and stress and just eating denser. And he's got some really great ideas here, but I secretly suspect this is waging war on the rest of the world to try to create super children because their parents become better. And literally you'll see New Zealand dominance in rugby maybe forever now. And perhaps most importantly, uh, in addition to being a dominant strength and conditioning coach, he is a dad uh, raising two girls. And so I think he is able to combine those two to offer some really valuable practical advice in this episode. No, what does he say? He's a user and he fights for the users. He didn't say that I said that. Enjoy this episode. It is our absolute pleasure to introduce to you guys Nick Gill, aka to all the people that know him and love him, which is a lot. Gilly. Welcome, man. Welcome. We're so excited well, to have you. Yeah, I think it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I tell you what, um, before we you know, I know we have a lot to talk about around athletic development, youth development, and let's just, I think, I think the right frame of mind right now is person development, because I'm staring at this gorgeous book that just came out called Health Yourself, which I, which is very New Zealander, you know, and, um, but what, flipping through this, it's really brilliant, because I feel like if one of the things that you sort of seem to be telling us in this book is that we are not very good at the basics that we need a little bit of tweaking in terms of what seems like a really complex system. Can you talk about that as a starter? Yeah, I think it's, um, well, it's a good, I'm glad that you're sort of taking that away from the book, um, Cal, cause I suppose, you know, what, 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 what frustrates me at the moment is, um, you know, there's all these new ways of, of eating or, or new diets or, you know, the latest and greatest exercise routine that's going to get you a six pack and, and, and it just sort of seems to be missing the, missing, missing the boat or missing the point for me. And that, you know, most of us just need to actually worry about doing the little things well every day. Um, you know, and that's just being a bit more active and, and eating a bit cleaner more often. Um, and there's no need to diet. There's no need to binge exercise. There's no need to look for the latest and greatest fad of equipment. Um, and so I suppose that's what I've tried to bring it back to is, you know, just, just, just keep it simple and just do it really well. Um, you know, day upon day, week upon week and, and your health will turn around. And I, and I suppose it's, um, it's something that I've learned working with athletes, um, but it's something that I've also learned working with with normal people, 
who you know are cl- clutching at straws or clutching at, at ways to get a shortcut, take a shortcut. But in actual fact, you know, it's sleep well, eat well, and be active, and your health will be great. I really, I love the tone of it. I love how actionable it is, and I, I, we'll get into some of the some of my favorite parts in a bit. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that you're an associate professor, um, Waikato, and uh, not a bad athlete yourself, and you have this reputation for working with high-performance sports groups, um, which if anyone has just Googled your name in the last two seconds, you'll see that there's this little little sports team known as the All Blacks that kind of comes up around your name sometimes, but plus all the other sports groups you work with. But it's interesting that in this theoretically highest sports performance, you know, thinker, your exposure, how you're managing, you've written and thought about generalist principles first and foremost. And I thought that was a really interesting leap because population health really is if the bridge where I think I'm seeing a lot of good thinkers and a lot of good um, of coaches in your space or in our space begin to think, hey, man, if we're going to get ahead of kid development, we may as well also start with the parents, which is shorthand for better environment for kids to grow up in. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Cal. It's, um, you know, a better environment if, 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 if parents and, and, you know, adults can, can get the basics right themselves and, and teach their kids the basics, um, then gee, you know, the, 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 the population's health is gonna, gonna improve dramatically. And what we've seen over the last wee while, or probably the last couple of decades is, is activity activity levels decrease um, from parents and kids, and um, I suppose convenient, easy eating increase, and typically that's not a good thing because typically that's all very high calorie, low nutrient food. Well, so I, I just let me. I have to just say that if that's the case, then then this is really the sneakiest sports performance book ever. You are going out a generation out seeding New Zealand and for like great athletes. Like this is the greatest long-term athletic development book I've ever read. <laughs> it's so sneaky, man. Like all blacks, sneaky, 30, yeah. 75. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I think that, that, that definitely wasn't the intention. But if we can get some healthier, fitter, performing young people out of it, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, and just, just to play off of that, I mean, you are obviously a professional strength and conditioning coach and a quite accomplished triathlete in your own right. Um, is health yourself for athletes or for just regular people? No, my intention was purely to make it about just general people, everyone just trying to become healthier. And uh, and, and I suppose I'm, I'm wanting to help more people than just those wanting to jump a bit higher and run a bit faster. Um, so it's definitely about um, anyone, any shape, any, any size, any age, you know, from any country should be able to pick it up and, and make take a little bit away from it to, to, I suppose, take a little bit of control themselves rather than relying on, you know, what's the trendiest way to eat this week? Well, I, I just, I need to switch gears a little bit because we've mentioned now at least twice already in 10 minutes of this podcast that you are the strength and conditioning coach for the All Blacks, a fact that I have recently mentioned to several Americans who shockingly to me replied with the question, who are the All Blacks? Um, <laughs> and 
Um, so She's assuming, making this up. This is a theoretical. I know this is theoretical, but because multiple people have asked me, I'm hoping you can give us a quick, for those Americans who don't even know what the sport of rugby even is, if you could tell us a little bit about who the All Blacks are, why they're important, and what you do for them. Okay. Um, All Blacks are a rugby team from little old New Zealand down in the Pacific, and the team's history is, you know, over, about 130 years old. Um, the team's been together, and it's a representative team of all players from the country. Um, and the team first originated by by a group of rugby players getting on a on a ship and travelling to the UK and the likes to to spend three or four months playing games every second day. Um, <laughs> and and the, the captain of the time decided that the uniform would be black. And ever since, they've been known the All Blacks. And the game of rugby is very much a game. I mean, it's it's a, it's if it's if, if, if it's like NFL without stoppages and without protective equipment. And people need to be able to run more than five meters. They need to be able to run about six to well, we'll say four to six mile in a game. So it's a full-on collision sport. We we have broken bones um, most games, um, and it's you know it's pretty confrontational and and um, it's basically a war um, of, of of attrition. Um, we tend to fight for territory to score points, um, and the team's pretty successful uh, over, over history. Uh, it's about eighty percent win win rate, so the team doesn't lose much, and the team travels the world, still does, um, taking on taking on the world um, out of our suitcases. Well, yeah, um, <clears throat> rugby is a prototype. It's a lot. To, I mean, <laughs> where do we go? Um, what I w- want to make sure is that we're focusing around because the the framework here is that hey, you you are an expert in managing the demands of a very high, high professional, high level professional sport, but you also have become this expert in environment. And I think it's really interesting then when we, we flip that and look through the framework of youth development from two, two points. One is that you have kids, which is, I think, going to be an interesting part about, you know, are your kids out there planting the avocado trees with you? And secondarily, um, I think rugby in New Zealand has a pretty good academy program where you get to really track and and sort of influence youth development, at least in this sport. And can you begin to just, if we unravel sort of the, this onion of youth development, how have you seen changes in youth over the last, let's say, 10 years? Is there a change in sort of youth development? Is there something shifting around kids in New Zealand that you've seen? Yeah, I think in New Zealand what we've seen is um... – We've seen a shift away from exercise or physical physical education or a sporting activity has almost been been removed from the school curriculum, and so you know the schools are now are now not necessarily um, providing opportunities for kids to exercise like they used to. Um, so what's having to happen is is parents and kids are having to look for opportunities outside of school. And so I suppose over the last probably three or four years in New Zealand, I've seen a, a greater awareness and a greater motivation from parents and kids to look for opportunities outside of school, um, whether that's exercise programs or gym memberships or 
um, you know, yoga groups or, or whatever where it's got nothing to do with school. Whereas, you know, when I was at school, everything you did was at school. You played rugby for your school. You played football for your school. Um, that's what's happening in New Zealand. The, the school system has sort of removed it from their, from their sort of responsibility, I suppose. And, and so parents and kids are having to look for, for ways outside of school to, to achieve that, that outlet, that exercise, that, that, that competitive outlet. So that's probably a, a shift I've, I've, I've been aware of in the last few years. Plus then it seems like um, only the privileged kids then have an opportunity to exercise, right, if their parents have the means to be able to... Oh, get them into after school programs, right? <laughs> and that's an absolute pro, a pro problem. And I, and I don't know what's likely around the rest of the world, but that's definitely, definitely the case. You've either got, you've either got parents with the resource, the money, the time to to be able to help, encourage, and facilitate that, or you have these kids not really having the opportunities. So, um, yeah, it comes a little bit down to to, to money, opportunity, and, and and I suppose motivation and knowledge as well. So Kelly mentioned that you have kids, and I know you do, but I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about them and what kind of sports, if any, they do. Um, and then I'll follow that up with a couple more questions just about how you guys do things in your family. You know, it's a good question. I've got two girls, um, 13 and a half and 17 and a half, and um, I suppose I've been really conscious myself um, not to push them to do too much. Um I know lots of parents that push and and go one extreme, and and I suppose I'm I'm my philosophy is to encourage and support and provide opportunity and 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 allow the girls to try and figure out what they enjoy, why they enjoy it, so that when they leave me at home and go off on their own journey of life, that they've got the tools um, and the ability to I suppose make good decisions. Um, and, and do it for the right reasons versus doing it because I'm told to do it. So, um, you know, I, I, my girls play hockey, they play volleyball. Uh, both of them enjoy running. Um, they enjoy swimming at the beach, but not necessarily doing laps in a pool. Um, so we do lots of things like that, um, you know, where it's, it's more about, I suppose, enjoyment for them rather than winning. Um, but they do enjoy winning at the same time, so that's fine. But it's the enjoyment that I push, um, and, and I suppose just trying to teach them, you know, how do you feel when you've done something outside, or you, when you've been out and, and kicked the ball around or played volleyball, you, have, you, you know, and and trying to get them to keep staying in touch with how it makes them feel physically and mentally. Um, so that's sort of my approach, um, and lots of people do it different, but that's that's where I'm at with my girls and my family, and we'll try and always in, in, encourage them to. To, I mean, I think you mentioned, Cal, you know, like, um, are they outside planting avocado trees? But, you know, we, last weekend we, we, were, we, went, we went for a big hike to gather mussels off the rocks at the beach so we could cook them. So, you know, we so go on a big hike to try and gather some food and then, you know, we hike back home and we, we cook it up. So they're the sorts of things I like doing with my girls. Could you tell us a little bit about how you eat in your family and how you feed your kids and what, what your goal has been as far as teaching them about nutrition? Yeah, good. Um, I love I love taking them shopping at the supermarket and um, and pointing out the colour in the trolley, you know, and, and I sort of avoid going down the aisles and, and take them around the edge of the, the supermarket to all the refrigerated food. And, and I, I just point out, look at the colour in here. And same as when we're eating, you know, it'll be, we made a big stir fry the other night and my, my girls were saying, starting to say it themselves, Dad, look at the colour in that bowl. It's, it's, gee, this is healthy, you know. And, and I think I'm always trying to educate them on 
on I suppose what's what's good food and what's not. Um, do we eat perfectly every day and every meal? No way. Um, we try to eat really well <laughs> as often as possible. Um, you know, I was leaving this morning for home and I said to my eldest, I said, so what are we having for dinner? And she said, oh, I'm not fussed as long as it's healthy. And I said, okay, so what do you want to have? And she said, well, how about I cook a vegetable curry? And I said, perfect. And so, you know, they definitely have this awareness of what's healthy and what's not. Um, but we do, you know, we, we, we're no different to any other family. Sometimes you just want to get a burger, you know, it's not a problem. Um, we like making our own burgers, for example. Um you know, the, the other thing that's important for us is we've got a really big vegetable garden. So we grow a lot of food um, and we've got our own chickens and we obviously eat a lot of avocados because we've got about 180 trees. So, um, you know, we sort of try to teach them about living off the land and, and providing for yourselves. Um, and, and that's really big part of, of, you know, summertime for us is sending the girls out with a basket to um you know pull off their lettuce leaves and get some tomatoes and pick some peas and beans you know so they go in and and bring in what they've picked and we figure out what we're going to cook question do you find your um do you find how you are trying to teach your kids about nutrition to be do you find that you're the outliers in your community and i ask that because we often feel that we are the outliers um that we're sort of fighting against this giant machine that is the standard american diet that um, many parents, I, I think, subscribe to largely because it, it, it creates the path of least resistance for them as parents. Um, do you find that you're sort of an outlier and people think that you guys are the weirdos? And Yeah, that- for sure. For sure. I think, um, you know, we're not normal. Um, and I think, you know, you guys are probably the same as us, whereas it's sort of, it's sort of your career and your pathway and your passion. And so we, we can't help but, but but help our kids in that way because it's what we know and what we love and what we do. And, and so people look at what we do and think, Oh, it's just because of what, what Nick does and what, what they do. So it's, it's, it's okay for them, but we're a normal family. We're allowed to eat shit. You know, it's sort of, it's sort of one of those things where the path of least resistance is absolutely on the money. That's what most parents will do. Um, as opposed to, you know, like I said, giving, giving your children the, the tools to make really good decisions to have a healthy, long, enjoyable life. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to do is, you know, you provide knowledge and, and the tools and, and, you know, trust the, trust them that they'll make really good decisions. I mean, it's nothing, there's nothing more obvious than when you get, let your kids or you, you don't let your kids have some, something, um, as soon as you're not there, they're going to binge and have too much of it. So, you know, you know, we, we try to allow them to make the decisions themselves and, and hopefully that pays off in the long run. Okay. <clears throat> so here, here's the, here's what I'm thinking. So, um, I have begun to see a pattern among, among my strength and conditioning, super coach friends, right? And that is they want their kids to be well-rounded, reasonable play sports enjoy it like the opposite of the the hard driving parent so that's the one thing i think that's very interesting the second piece can i is, interject really quick and tell you a story i think i've i think i may have even told this story once before on a podcast but that is that kelly sometimes uh so swings the opposite way and try in terms of trying not to be like that parent that i had to point out to him recently that you know our kids should at least gain some benefit from having him as their father so, um, but you know, we're, we're always trying to be really cautious and not be those people. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, so we, I, I totally 
I mean, my kids are doing Squattober. I mean, my my daughter's like, hey, dad, it's dark, but we should do our squats now before school. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So, um, you know, I mean, some things are sticking. So, but one of the things that I think is really interesting about, um, you know, we, it's, this is just immersive for us. There's no edge between our friends and nutrition and sports performance and, and sort of how we live our lives. One of the things I still see is that we still have to, you know, one of our kids is such a picky eater and we literally have, she has like a three fruits and vegetable rule. Like she has to have three servings of fruits and vegetables a day up to her. You know, sometimes it's nori. That's like one of her, one of her veggies. But if it's that difficult for us, it's gotta be brutally difficult for a person who doesn't necessarily, or isn't hardwired to think this way or isn't sort of set up to automatically default to having a rainbow in their veggie curry bowl prepared by their 17 year old. Do you, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. You know, I think the, um, yeah, we've got a fussy one as well. My youngest is extremely fussy, but so fussy that she just, you know, everything, everything has to be absolutely perfect. Anything brown on it, she won't eat. Um, but generally she likes raw food and not cooked food. And, and, and I think that, you know, like we just, we just, we don't, we don't, we don't make it a big deal um, because she actually is very fussy around healthy food. <laughs> sounds like yours. <laughs> sounds like yours. So it's not a big deal as long as she's getting enough of what she needs. Um, you know, as she's getting older, she's, she's, I suppose, going outside her comfort zone a bit and trying a bit more. And, and it's, um, and, and I think that's, you know, we've all been there as a young person and had things we liked and disliked. And um, I still remember being forced to eat things I didn't like, and and I still to this day will never eat those things again. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 one of those things you sort of got to pick your battles, don't you? Well, and I think the, fact. the takeaway for parents here is that you just even if you have all the the models, all the all the experience, it's still you have to be just brutally consistent for decades. I mean, that's how long it takes. You know, our oldest daughter is you know she's on it. She loves it. At age thirteen and a half, she is just into cooking and into trying new foods, but. Man, my ten-year-old, she's just, she's a, she's a handful, and that leads me to one of my where, favorite where parts of your book. Where did you get that from, Kel? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I hate to admit, I think it actually might be me. Oh yes, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. I was getting that. <laughs> it's terrible. It makes me feel very sad, but I actually think it's me. It's not the fat guy. I love the eat. So, um, <laughs> one of the things that I love about your book is that you have these one-day experiments and. I think this is really great because, you know, when you read, there's, I don't know, I'm just looking at here, quick 31 one-day experiments in here. And I love that they're just about consciousness and it's very reasonable. Was that for me? How did I feel? Was it good or bad? Can you talk about, because you have some one-week experiments, you've got some other things, but these one-day experiments, I love because they're just so little buy-in. It doesn't take a lot. And I think what we're really having to unravel in the complexity of youth development and health and, and all the really kind of complex myriad problems that we're seeing, especially in the United States around child health, is that we have to go back and have a, an earlier intervention. We have to start earlier, and that starting earlier means we have to start with parents. Can you talk about how you got to the one-day experiments? Because this is, like I think, the most brilliant aspect of the book. Well, I think the, um, the one-day experiments were about, you know, we we all wired differently. We all have... Um, so many different likes and dislikes and habits and and routines and and most of us think that we can't change or most of us don't know how we respond to certain things and so the one day experiment's really just just about actually 
trying something, trying and actually seeing that it's actually not that difficult um, to do it for a day. You know, whether that's let, you know, not having coffee for a whole day. Most people would be like, there's no way I can't have coffee for a day. I have to have my coffee in the morning. I have to have one at 10.30. I have to have one at 1. Well, just try it for a day and let's see how you feel when you don't have coffee. Um, and, I, and I suppose it's more around just educating people to try things and realize that the human body is amazing. You know, and it is, you know, and so are habits and, and I suppose routines. And having the ability to consciously just change something and then reflect on what you feel like or what impact it had on your day um, is really what life should be about. You know, we fall into these these routines or these these habits of, of how our day looks um, and we all think it's too hard to change, but it can be changed just like that. Um, you know, and, and it's just a matter of, of making that decision and then reflecting on it and going, actually, you know what? I actually felt really good not having a coffee until one o'clock. I definitely, I definitely feel like I might need one at one o'clock, but all of a sudden I've learned that, hey, there's three coffees that I'm having that I don't need. Um, so I, I think that's where the one day is came from, you know, is just people actually being able to take a, take a, a, a bite-sized chunk and just, just chew it and digest it and go, you know what? One day's easy. Well, now I might try it for a week. Um, when, what's, yeah. when you look at them, what's amazing about these one days and we'll, we'll take a picture of it and put it up, but it's the, the sort of science and sophistication behind these little bitty behavior tweaks is really profound. Like when, when I see what you're really getting at, I'm like, holy crap, these are great. And I think you could basically cycle through them every day for the rest <laughs> of your life and never, ever stop sort of understanding yourself. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the tweak, tweak per week idea in your book and I'm not sure if it's possible for you even for you even to simplify it this way, but you know, let's say you're a parent listening to this and you know you probably need to make some nutri nutrition tweaks in your family. What would be like the top three that you would suggest people start with if they wanted to try a tweak per week for three weeks instead of twelve or something like that? Oh, tweak per week for three weeks for for parents. Well, I'd probably say, um, oh, it's a good one. Um, I would probably say for one week increase number of colors per meal um, by one or two for a whole week. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, one or two extra colorful real foods per meal for a week. Um, second tweak for a week would be maybe with young people – um, you know, devices devices away an hour before bedtime, um, because sleep is something that our young people are missing out on because we're in bed on their devices for hours and hours on end. Um, and if we don't sleep, we make poor decisions and we eat poorly. And next minute, it's a cascade of events. Um, third third tweak for a week would be something active every single day with your kids or or that your kids did, whether that was walking to school walking home from the bus, um, squat-tober, um, whatever it was, but, <laughs> but a week of, of exercise every day, for, even if it was 10 minutes. Um, 10 minutes more than what they're currently doing would be great. Well, that is just, I love that, and I love how simple those things are, and um, I think for most people probably would feel pretty attainable, so that's awesome. Thank you. Um, I want to move on in a moment from nutrition, but I want to ask you this one other nutrition question, which I know you and I have talked about 
before, but I wanted to get your thoughts and advice for parents on pre, during, and post workout game tournament nutrition for, for kids. kids. <laughs> okay. So. And, and that, you know, the backstory is here, uh, and I don't know whether you have this in New Zealand, but there seems to be this um, perception now, at least among American parents, that kids need to be like continuously eating and they have a one hour soccer game. They need to take a break in the middle and have like pretzels and um, donuts and then go back out on the field and then have yet another snack right after the game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. so, yeah, so I mean, my, uh, my, I, I would love to know your advice, practical advice on, you know, what you would do and how you would advise people to sort of feed their kids around sports. Yeah. Well, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the end of the day, most of us have plenty of fuel stores on board to, to do a, an hour or two of exercise without any dramas at all. Um, and I think that there is this, there is this, um, I suppose this, this, movement that's occurred because you know nutrition around exercise has become you know important and we must fuel to to achieve what we want in our in our sport but it's gone too far the other way um you know where people are exercising and burning some good energy and no sooner have they finished that they've they've replaced it plus you know plus plus 50 percent um and so you end up with these kids and, and adults actually going backwards even though they're exercising for an hour or two a day um, and I was, I went through this myself, you know, as a young athlete, I remember, you know, riding my bike for two or three hours and then sitting down and eating a loaf of bread, you know, and, and, and then thought I, cause I thought I could, and I thought I should. Um, whereas it's not until now when I'm a bit older and I'm realizing, well, actually, you know, I've only, I've only burned four slices of bread. So I either replace four slices of bread in terms of energy or, or I have two or three if I'm wanting to to improve my health and lose a little bit of baggage. So, so I think with kids, um, you know, if I was running a, if I was running a, um, a young sports team of, of, I don't know, let's say 10 to 15 year olds, um, all I'd be having at half time is what we have in New Zealand is some sliced up oranges, you know, half time, some sliced up oranges or half a banana. That's all you need. If, if that, um, and likewise, after the, the game, there's no need to stop and get a burger and pie and, and some chips because they've played a big game of, of football. Um, you know, a glass of water and a piece of fruit's all, all that you're, you're going to need. Um, so so I think that, you know, parents, coaches are probably taking it a bit too far the wrong way, in my opinion. And, you know, we all have so much energy stored within our body. Um, you know, unless we have some a young person that's really struggling with body weight, as in, as in they're struggling with growth um, and, and, and weight in, in terms of getting enough calories in, um, which not many people have that problem, I don't think. But, you know, really, we, we need to be eating not a lot different to if we weren't exercising um, as young people. It sounds like you're sort of saying, you know, eat your normal meals that you would eat in a day and maybe add like an orange slice and an apple. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, have your normal meals and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and have a piece of fruit around the, around the exercise, whether that's at halftime or after the, after the game. But there's no need to have another meal before, during and after. You know, we're not talking about these kids running around for five hours. We're talking about, you know, an hour long game, um, you know, which all of us can do without eating at all in that whole day if we wanted to. Um, so it's not about, it's not about fueling the activity. It's about, it's about eat normally, eat well. Um, and, um, and if you need a little bit of extra, 
um, then it's it's you know a couple of slices of real colourful fruit, and that's it. I remember in high school, I was just telling someone today we were touring high school, and I was talking. We were in the cafeteria, and I was saying how I just could not put on weight in high school. It was impossible. I was always hungry, and my snack after a huge breakfast and before my huge lunch was four bagels and hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so think about how many bagels that is a week, right? But they were, and uh, man, I was puffy and I was sleepy. But I just, uh, you know, I, right. I guarantee you, I was fed enough to go play a little practice. I think we've also created we've created an environment too, and I'm sure you see this in New Zealand as well. We've created an environment where you know the food is like a reward for having played the game or you know done the activity or whatever, um, and so it's just become commonplace that you know it's like you swim 25 meters, you get a donut. Like there you go. Oh, that, you, that's your reward. I mean, how, how true? How true <laughs> is that? You know, it's um, it's definitely, and a lot of people will motivate a lot of parents will motivate their kids to, hey, if you um. You know, if you walk up this hill with me, I'll buy you a pie and a pie and ice cream afterwards. You know, it's sort of like, well, hang on. You know, you're you're rewarding or incentivizing this bit of activity with the wrong stuff. You know, the the incentive and the reward should be, man, how good does it feel to have walked up that hill? Um, get them addicted to the euphoria of exercise, not to the not to the reward of eating shitty food. <laughs> you know, that, that, well, you know it. I love, I want to jump in for a second because I want to make sure that, you know, people understand that while on the surface you are so reasonable, you are the most reasonable gentleman from, from down under, your programming and application of principles, the way it scales up is ruthless and brutal. And what I mean is I have tried to eat some of your cooking in terms of your conditioning pieces <laughs> And your comebacks to me are like, don't worry, Kel. Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> Things what is like he that. like the thirty sixty ninety? Is that Nick? No, Do no, we no. have him to thank minute for that? On, minute mm-hmm. on, minute off, uh, the uh. bike. Things like that. And um, but what, what's interesting is that what I want to ask you about is that I feel like what I hear is just don't muck up the first principles. Sleep. Make sure that you're really protecting your kids' sleep. Even as you said, the tweak for a week of of go- getting off the 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 tech an hour before bedtime does improve, improve sleep. We try to tell our all our families and friends, if you can get your kid in a half hour of sleep earlier, half hour, in two weeks, it's an entire extra night of sleep right. just by going to bed and being in bed a half hour. That's right. So basics are rule, but one of the things that's happening in sports is that programming has become uber complex. And how do you balance that sexy complexity with, with basics? Because if I come into your programming – and this is for, again, maybe some of the best athletes on the planet who play for you or play with you. It's really simple and easy to understand, and it's really difficult to do. What do you think are the building blocks for, for sort of physicality? One, I've heard you say with your, with your kids, like, be active. Like, that's one. But if I was thinking about getting my kids more geared up towards, hey, they're really driven and they really love sport and I want to protect them, what do I need to be thinking about as a parent or a coach? I think I think, um, and it's something that we we strive on with the with with the All Blacks too. Is at the end of the day, um, you know, the the very the very foundations of why we exercise um, should be around enjoyment, you know. And and if there's one thing that's going to help young people either be successful in sport or healthy in life, um, it's that physical activity is enjoyable. Okay, and as soon as it's not enjoyable, as soon as it becomes a chore, 
um, then the chances are of it of it being part of your life for a long time is is pretty remote. So, so you you know you mentioned the the complexity of of training and 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 I suppose you know you're right. Like you know, ah, is there strength and conditioning fraternity doing a better job now that our programs are more complicated? I don't think so. Um, you know, I think that I still believe that you know, simplicity is the key and it's how well you do it and how consistently well you do it that is the most important thing. You know, it's no different to to if we're trying to improve uh, squat mechanics or squat technique. Well, you know, you don't just have a good session of mobility once every three weeks. You know, it's about little and often and doing it well. And I think that, you know, for kids, little and often enjoying it is the key and um and as long as your kids constantly enjoy what they're doing and as soon as they don't figuring out why um and seeing and seeing how we get that enjoyment back then i think as a parent that's a fantastic approach um and it's not about you know this this new way of fueling your kids football game or this 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 new supplement or all of a sudden there's a there's a new new snc coach at the school that i want him to go and see or her to see you know just keep it simple and um and do it well every day i love that um we talked to we had a great conversation with eric cressy in season one of our podcast about kids and sports specialization so i wanted to get your thoughts on that including if you have any strategies more as a dad about how to sort of avoid the pitfalls of your kid being in year-round sports. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a it's a, it's a good question, <laughs> and it's a it's a common problem for some kids or some families where, you know, kids are being torn left, right, and centre. Um, you know, and then coaches get involved and start threatening kids to, you need to stop doing that sport and just do this sport and be your sole focus and. You know, and, and I've had to get involved in a number of schools over the years where, you know, the rowing coach and the rugby coach have have been fighting over kids to specialise early. Um, and I suppose, um, you know, as an athlete myself, when I was younger, I specialised early because, I, again, I was in this situation. And it's one of the biggest regrets I have of my schooling years was, you know, I stopped running and started cycling. Um, I should have done both and I wasn't allowed to. Not my parents' fault, the coaches at school's fault. So so I've got a little bit of a bugbear with where kids are, are pulled and asked to specialise because, you know, at the end of the day, you're wanting, you know, not many people, not many kids become professional athletes. Um, so, so why not be able to play what sports you enjoy most when you want to play them? And if there needs to be a bit of compromise around how often you play or what practices you go to and don't go to, then I think that's that's important to, to consider or or have the kids be able to make some decisions. Um, I don't believe or agree with kids doing sport every single day of every single week of the whole year um, because then we just get people that get to the end of school going, oh, I'm never doing that again. I can't wait to do nothing for the rest of my life, you know. Um you know, so I think it, it does. It's true. It's it's true. Like so many kids have amazing sporting careers up until the end of high school, and then all of a sudden, that's it. They're done. They're burnt out. 
you know, and um, and they don't want to pick up a hockey stick or or kick a football or 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 throw an American football again. So, so I think it's um I think there is a balance, you know. And again, I keep coming back to fun. If 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 the kids are, are happy and there's good balance, they're sleeping enough, they're getting they're still getting to spend time with friends and family. You know, that's what you see. You see a lot of kids who play a lot of sport. They don't have a social life because um, they're too busy. They're too busy with practices, you know, so they can't go to birthday parties. Um, and so I think, you know, as parents, we need to be the, the moral compass here and, and help make the decisions. Don't make the decision for the children, but I think be part of this decision-making process and, and I suppose just try to ensure there's good balance, um, you know, because, yes, we'd all love our kids to become professional golfers so that they can support us in our older years, but... Um, you know, we, we can't we can't all push our kids to be professional golfers, so there needs to be a balance. I think the statistics on that are probably pretty low as well, so it may not be the best uh, best goal to reach well, for for most of us. It, it is interesting because, you know, my next question is how can I become? What do I have to do to become an all black at age forty five? Um, that, but but really, I think one of the things you're bringing out is that we've lost the narrative around why we should be doing sport. Sport is development of of psychosocial skills and, 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 and personal skills and athletic development for life and play and fun. And the kids who are unicorns pop out pretty much right away. I think, I think we've watered down to sort of this, this notion that, you know, what really genetically gifted freak people are out there. And I know you get to work with those kids because they, they are clearly unicorns. So I guess the question is um, you've traveled, you guess you said that you get to travel everywhere with, uh, with your team, who do you think is doing it best and what sport, what things have you taken away when you when travel and you're like, holy crap, those guys are really doing a good job of developing people. Yeah, it's a, it's a um, good question, Cal. I think it's, um, I think every, every country that I've been to and had the opportunity to maybe um, get an appreciation of what's happening in some of the sports is, everyone's everyone's trying to do it well everyone's trying really hard to i suppose develop youth develop um good athletes develop people everyone everyone is aware that you know there's 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 a lot of importance placed on 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 life just not on performance and being a professional um you know, in New Zealand and, and and in Australia, you know the 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 professional sporting contracts are nothing like what what you guys have up in America. Um, you know, the the highest paid All Black in New Zealand would be on about a million dollars a year. You know, whereas you know people up up your neck of the woods are are on are on you know gee that each week. Um, so so we're not dealing with the same sort of pressures and ambitions. Um, that that is you know that is up in America or the UK. Um, does that does that change a little bit the focus? Do you think at, even at university, and by extension high school? Because I think we have definitely I feel like we've seen the professionalization of of kids sports as a trickle down effect of how we've been pushing from the from the professional levels to the college levels to the high school levels to the middle school. Levels. Yeah, I definitely do think there is a trickle down at the moment. Um, like oh, I know that even even in New Zealand, like I mentioned that the money factor isn't as big as over overseas, but um, it's still huge because it's still a good income. And so what we are seeing is that a lot of the professional systems around 
training and competing are, are being pushed down to high school um, in New Zealand. And so young people have been asked to to train harder and, and, and with more pressure and more expectation than they were 10 years ago. Um, because if you do that, then our school is, is successful and then you might get a professional contract. And, and so, you know, that was never, ever an opportunity or an option when I was younger. And so we do have these young people training harder. And then this, this sort of backs up what we were talking about before around, you know, balance. You know, that, that doesn't make sense for a, for a 15 or 16-year-old boy to be, to be up at 5.30 a.m. training for two hours, going to school and training for another three hours in the afternoon. That, I mean, they're training as much as a professional rugby player, but they're at school and have no life and the chances of making it mm-hmm. are, are small. So, um, you know, we, we do just need to keep keep referring back to our moral compass of, of what it's all about. And um, and I think just, just you know, constantly educating and have, having discussions with your, with your children. And someone told me the other day, and I love it, it's because it's true, the best time to talk to your kids is when you're driving. And, um, and I said, why is that? And he said, well, because you don't have to make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> So you can have some of those discussions where you're just driving along and, and I thought about it and I thought, well, actually, yeah, I talk to my girls quite often when I'm driving and we have great discussions, you know, and um, and so I, I think just keeping keeping on talking is really, really important and, you know, like my girl, my girl I mean, I've got girls, they're not really competitive, I love that, I love that, they're more, they're happier being nice people, eating well and, and being active for fun um, than than trying to, you know, be a really successful athlete to make dad proud. I'm, I'm really glad I got that balance. They, they know they don't need to make me proud on the exercise field or on the sport field. They know I'm already proud of them. So um, <clears throat> I think, you know, helping helping discuss some of those pressures and expectations is massively important. Yeah, you know, I just what, when you were talking about the kids in high school and the intense training, I, uh, Kelly and I have talked a lot about how so many of these high school kids are training like they're professional athletes, but then they don't have the support structure. You know, if you're a professional athlete, it's like you have, you know, PTs and massage therapists and nutritionists and this whole support network around you as a professional athlete and high school athletes have none of that, but this often the same demands. Oh, absolutely. And you also don't have the, the, the background and you're also fighting growth, you know, typically you're also growing. So the energy demands on the whole system is massive. You know, most professional athletes have finished growing. All their energy that they are that they're consuming has been put into the adaptation from the exercise. Whereas we got fifteen year old boys and girls who are currently growing, you know, and we're throwing this huge physical load at them and this huge mental load of trying to learn at school and, and nail exams. So, so all of a sudden, you know, these poor kids who are tra- training as hard as a professional are under twice the, the, the physiological stress as a professional athlete because they're growing and they're trying to study and learn. So, well, if you, don't peak, if, you, if you don't peak when you're 16, I mean, really, if those aren't the best years of your life, well, you know, like it's, it's absurd. Nick, I need to know... What are you working on now? This book is yeah. What's next? It's for Nick so Allen? good. It's so good, and I love how just I mean you just literally took the legs out of all the problems. It's such a reasonable approach, and really creates. I think if I was a parent and I flipped through this, I'd be like, oh, I can create a better ready state for my kids. What are you working on? What's the next piece for you? 
Oh, well, at the moment, mate, I'm just focused on the All Blacks winning another World Cup. So at the moment, I've got the World Cup in about 11 months' time, which is um, in Japan, and that's really where all my energy is going at the moment. So um, we'll see how the book goes. Um, you know, they've, the, the publishers have asked me to think about another one, so we'll see what happens. But at the moment, um, you know, it's 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 um, you know. I just want I just want to make sure that I can continue to help help people and just like you two are doing and 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 educate people to try and I suppose be better people be better parents be healthier individuals um, and if we can all do our bit then you know people's lives will be changed and and I suppose the biggest the biggest buzz I get out of um, all of this is being able to help people and it's it's one thing helping someone jump higher and run faster but I'll tell you what helping people get off, um, you know, blood pressure medication um, and cholesterol medication and um, all of those associated issues with, with such medication is just hugely rewarding and, and, and I think that's really what it's about. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose that there, is a, there is a need for a, a book on, on, on helping parents become better parents around healthy kids so um we'll see what happens in, the, in that regard but yeah <laughs> no, I just, other we'll be waiting for it cup. we will be waiting so for nick it. what's next uh world cup victory and um world yes pa- and world seven health. more books That's lovely. and world health lovely. um nick we will obviously put a link to for our listeners to um check out health yourself where else can people find you like on the social medias and so forth um yeah, Nick Gill Health and Performance on Instagram and dub 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 nickgill.com on the internet. And that's so, N I C G I double L. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, N I C. Well, brother man, uh, can't wait to see you again. Uh, thank you so much. I don't know. I don't even know what uh, what time zone you're in. I think it's probably Thursday there already right now. It's probably Thursday and Lisa is shaking in the her head. And um, <laughs> once again, thank you so much for carving out so much time and thank your family for uh, for giving it up. Thank you so no, much, no, Nick. Thanks for, ha- thanks for having me. Love you too. And um, yeah, looking forward to catch up, eh? Cheers, brother. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at mobilitywad.com. The Ready State is the podcast of mobilitywad.com where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under MobilityWOD. That's W-O-D as in workout of the day. Till next time, cheers, everyone. You got it! Kelly Starrett is a New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is a co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it! You better stop it.